when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Welcome to Raptors Over Everything, a podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lowe. Live in location in uh, Orlando. It's very muggy. Joining me on the line from Toronto, Vivek Jacob. Hey, man. It's pouring rain here, so don't complain. Yeah, listen, it's about to be pouring rain here in Orlando, too. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, to be honest, the weather has been nice, but also it's been super muggy. But uh, we're not going to talk about the weather. We're talking about... We're going to talk about the Raptors, who it feels like everyone sort of chilled out. You know, the two days in between game uh, two and three are very different from the game, two days between games one and two. Obviously, that's because the Raptors right. had a big result. Look, coming into this game, though, I, I do feel like the Raptors ahead of game three, um, they have a sense of urgency. But I feel like for the fan base itself, um, you know, it feels like everyone's a little bit comfortable. What, what, what's your thoughts on just where the fans are? Uh, yeah, I do think the fans are feeling a lot more confident now. They've seen the team that they were hoping to see in Game One. So now that uh, you know, you, you look at the way Kawhi performed. You looked at uh, you look at Marcus All, and now Kyle Lowry getting on board. If that if that's the team that shows up in Orlando, then you know there's every chance that they come back to Toronto with a chance to uh, f- close out the series. So uh, I think that's where the general mood is. I'm a bit more, I wouldn't say apprehensive, but just uh, a bit more curious uh, to see which team shows up. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen those games this season where they went to San Antonio, went to Houston, and didn't really show up to start the game, and it cost them. Um, so again, I'm interested to see how they respond to uh, a playoff atmosphere in, in Orlando. Obviously, they're all geared up. Uh, you know, they haven't been in the postseason in seven years. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Raptors respond to that atmosphere. Yeah, for sure. And look, listen, um, it depends on honestly who you ask in terms of whether or not they're actual Orlando Magic fans. But um, I mean, apparently the arena is going to be, you know, obviously packed and sold out, so things like this. But like the ticket prices are actually not cheap at all, which is. A little bit surprising, and I thought, and uh, I don't know. I, I guess people are excited for basketball in Orlando. I guess there's good reason to be. I mean, seriously, you don't make the playoffs for seven years. Like, you know, you you're gonna be hyped. But uh, um, yeah. So was that shoot around? The atmosphere there seemed like you know the Raptors really, tr- at least for, speaking to reporters and stuff, they seem to understand that um, there is a bit of urgency. Kyle Lowry, for example, you know, talked extensively about how hard um, you know the players have to be playing like it's honestly he was talking about how like you know you think you're playing hard but then you get to the playoffs and like that's not even enough and you got to like push yourself to the next level and things like this so i mean at least they are aware of it but we'll obviously we'll see how the, the magic respond one thing that i'm a little bit curious about is whether or not the magic will actually get something out of uh, nick vucevic so far in the series i mean he's been pretty pretty bad i just wrote a piece about how marcus defense has been pivotal in the series but ultimately 
Um, I do think that Vucevic will eventually bounce back and have at least an average game because so far on the series, he's at 17 points, shooting 6 of 21 from the field with five turnovers against six assists. So not good numbers at all. We're talking about a guy who's averaged 21 points a game coming in. Um, first off, w- what have you seen from Marcus Gasol's defense that has been able to limit uh, Vucevic's production? And sort of, you know, after that, we can talk about how the Magic might look to counter. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing for me is the fact that every time Vucevic has gotten the ball down low, he he can't really um, get to where he wants to go against Gasol. Gasol is able to you know use his strength to keep him away from you know the ideal uh, block spot. Vucevic is is sort of starting further away from the basket than maybe he's accustomed to, and then on top of that, he hasn't been able to hit his jumper with any consistency. So. Um, there hasn't really been an out for him or anything to force uh, Gasol to change things up. And, you know, I think now coming to Orlando, maybe he'll feel a bit uh, more comfortable shooting at uh, shooting on his home rim. And, you know, I think the key for him is the jump shot against Gasol because that's the only way you can sort of drag him out, maybe uh, create some uh, create some room for you to uh, maybe work in the post and you know just give Gasol something that th- something to think about because uh, without the jumper, if it's if it's all going to have to come from the inside, I think I think we might actually see this trend continue. I I, I don't think uh, Vucevic has a, has a way past Gasol uh, on the interior. Yeah, I think one thing that hurts the magic as well in this series is that I don't think they have, especially in the starting lineup, like a, a particularly good screener where yeah. you can sort of run some sort of cross-screen action where you can maybe get Gasol off of Vucevic and Vucevic onto a smaller guy. And I think in that scenario, Vucevic can cook. Um, but I'm looking at the roster and like it's just hard to sort of envision where that would come from, you know? And um, Right. And, and so if it's not coming out from the post, it's probably out of something like pick and pop, which... You know, as you mentioned, he, he can shoot a little bit better percentages from three or from mid-range. But ultimately, as, as we talked about in the preview podcast, like he's not necessarily a great uh, outside shooter. And if the Raptors, you know, see Vucevic hit, taking like five straight jumpers, I don't think they'll panic too much. I think that's sort of what they'll live with defensively. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think, uh, I, again, it really just comes down to what the Raptors will give up in the pick and roll, right? Like we saw... In game one, obviously, DJ Augustine put a hurting on the Raptors through the pick and roll. And I feel like if DJ gets going a little bit more, that's probably going to open up a bit of space for Vucevic, like you said. But right. ultimately, it could just be a bad matchup. I mean, like, this is kind of a reminder that, look, Marcus Gasol has been, you know, an all-defensive type player. He's one defensive player of the year back in 2012. And, mm-hmm. you know, even though he doesn't necessarily have the, the foot speed, um, his mind is very sharp and he's still ex- extremely strong and I think Vucevic is kind of just running into a wall um, and I th- it, it might just be a bad matchup it's just for, for Vucevic you know yeah I think so and I mean to your point about uh, Gasol I would also add that you know we always talk about chemistry on the offensive end and understanding what people are going to do I think it really helps that you know whether he's in a pick and roll action that that involves Kyle Lowry defensively or Danny Green um both of them are high IQ guys he can sort of anticipate what's coming um and and I think that you know that's part of why everyone was so shocked to see uh, what happened on that final play in game one where you know you have Gasol and Kawhi Leonard two former defensive players of the year miscommunicating but I think since then you know we've seen the intensity pick up we've seen uh, the focus and attention to detail that uh, you know this contending squad should bring uh, on a nightly basis in the playoffs and so I think now you know with 
Lowry and Danny Green sort of looking to prove a point to Augustine and Fournier. I think uh, that takes away a lot of what Vucevic is trying to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and look, on, honestly, like Vucevic and, and Steve Clifford have talked about this sort of extensively now. Like, part of it is also on Vucevic is just work harder, right? Like, one of the benefits yeah. he has is that he's like almost ten years younger than Gasol, so you know, uh, just running faster down the floor, um, you know, uh, getting early post ups, sealing a guy. Um, you know, again, maybe it's gonna be difficult, you know, in half court. But if you run down the floor early and you can get like a Pascal Siakam on you, or you can get Danny Green on you, or whatever, then that will force the Raptors into trapping and doubling. Because again, you know, it's pretty much only Gasol who can handle him down low. So, you know, I can see that. I can see maybe like uh, Steve Clifford staggering the minutes a little bit so Vucevic goes against Ibaka. But ultimately, I think if the Magic are going to take more games out of the series. It's probably going to have to come through more of the perimeter scores, and we've seen little flashes of it. Obviously, TJ in Game One, I thought Game Two, Aaron Gordon was pretty good uh, from the perimeter. It's kind of the things where the Raptors kind of live with his scoring a little bit, just because they have bigger priorities elsewhere. But you know, if the Magic can get hot from three, like they did in Game One, I think that's probably their best bet. So, I mean, looking at their perimeter guys, do you feel like there's things that they could do differently to free up Augustine or Ross to some extent, or uh, even Fournier? I would honestly think about starting Terrence Ross. I think with the way the Raptors are able to, you know, we saw in game one how much they look to trap him. Um, if, if you can start Terrence Ross, give him um, those starters to play off of, I think it, it can improve the spacing. We've seen Fournier sort of be a straight line drive guy. Um, they've taken away that two-man game between Fournier and Vucevic on the left side so I think Terrence Ross adds a different element a bit more of a shooting threat Um, and so I think if you can get him involved in those actions in the starting lineup uh, I think Fournier is you know the type of experienced guy that you know maybe he can sort of help uh, shepherd those bench units as well and and Ross I mean he's young enough to you know maybe take on a bigger load of minutes and you know be back in with that bench unit as well so I think that's the one change I would look at if I was Steve Clifford you know I think he might not want to just pa- panic at a stage when the series is still tied at one but I do think that in in order to get their offense going you know I, I think there was uh, maybe a bit of fool's gold for the Orlando Magic from the game one because you look at some of the mistakes the Raptors made with those entry feeds uh, though that that's not something you can really expect to continue and so where's their offense going to come from if they're consistently in the half court if they're not able to create transition opportunities which is something that they never really did over the course of the season so I think that's where you need someone uh, that can sort of muck things up like uh, with a Terrence Ross who can just you know throw up shots from anywhere yeah for sure listen uh if you do put Terrence in the starting lineup though I, I'm assuming you're taking Jonathan Isaac out um I, I think you look at either Jonathan Isaac or you look at Evan Fournier I I just I just okay. don't I, I think the way the the Raptors are prepared for that two-man game I think it's it's really taken a big chunk of uh, the half-court offense out uh, of the Orlando Magic. So I think that's something that I would look at. Um, and, you know, again, m- maybe that doesn't really change your spacing too much, but I think the way the way Ross can shoot at a high volume, um, you know, up top over anybody, I think that that's, that's a better um, opportunity 
uh, for the Magic. I, I don't I don't think Fournier has had the impact uh, that they would have liked, uh, especially in getting Vucevic involved. So, uh, you know, as, as much as they're saying, you know, it's between Clifford and Vucevic to get the best out of him, I think that's another avenue that they can look at. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Fournier's numbers through two games, he's at 11 of 30 shooting from the field. 4 of yep. 12 from 3, 7 of 18 from 2. Like, you know, he hasn't gone to the free throw line even once. I mean, outside of a couple of those, like, steal uh, and, and transition finishes, like, mm-hmm. Fournier really hasn't gone off. And I, I agree. Like, Ross is a bigger offensive threat. I, I think, you know, I could see Isaac maybe getting a little less time, too, especially if the Magic offense continues to be super gummy because he's definitely the worst offensive player in that starting lineup. Now, granted, like, I know the Magic are looking at it in terms of defensively. You know, Steve Clifford is defense-first kind of coach, and Isaac yeah. has um, – at least on paper, been a, a really good defender against Pascal. Now, obviously, that hasn't really transpired. Pascal has, you know, he's averaging like 20-plus points in the series so far. So it's not yeah. like Isaac's doing that much defensively, even though I think he's doing well. It's just, I, you know, Pascal is so talented as a scorer. Um, but that's one of the things where you look at Isaac, right? I mean, he hit a couple of threes, but I, I believe the stat is he is 1 for 10 on threes on the, on, on the, uh, on the playoffs, and most of them were uncontested. Right, and so I just don't yeah. think he's good enough of a shooter, and the Raptors clearly aren't, uh, you know, respecting him too much. I mean, the way they the Raptors, you know, defended Vucevic, part of it it's not just Gasol; it was also they brought double teams, and usually when they brought double teams, they were helping off of guys like Isaac because they know mm-hmm. he can't shoot, and right. um, you know, so if Isaac continues to struggle, and he's a young player, he's only twenty one, this is his first playoff run. If he continues to struggle from the three and he's not defending Pascal well, like I could see them maybe going super small with Ross at, you know, I guess he, Ross wouldn't even be that. It wouldn't be that small because they would shift Gordon to four and they would put Ross at three. Although that means Ross is guarding Kawhi. See, this is the issue. The Raptors have a lot of problems. <laughs> they, yeah, they present, and I mean, they a lot of problems. And again, this I think I really think this is why it. it there was so much frustration after game one right the Raptors are clearly the better team all due respect to the Magic you know finishing with the number one defensive rating uh, and finishing 22 and 9 uh, on this season you know the Raptors just pose so many problems that when they come out with you know full intensity committed to uh, you know executing their game plan I don't think this is a close series this should have been a a sweep I think as long as the intensity is there the Raptors are a far better team than the Magic especially you know in playoff battles where again Vucevic is your only all-star and going up against Marcus he's no match so again they can't get any offense out of the half court um this this series you know you know it, it sort of looks like remember when um, Milwaukee sort of went small. Uh, I mean, uh, the Raptors went small against Milwaukee, uh, and you just figured, okay, Milwaukee really has nothing else to go to. Um, the Raptors in this series now, it just looks like, okay, they've ramped up the intensity, and as long as that stays where it is, Orlando really has nothing to go to. Yeah, for sure. And I think this is probably why, you know, aside from the fact that they're coming, you know, they're playing in the hostile arena, things like this, like, I think that's probably why one of the big focuses of uh, shoot around, again, like I mentioned earlier, was just. Like they got to be intense, they got to play hard, and they got to focus. And, yeah. to be, and to be honest, that has been an issue for the Raptors, right? Like they don't like like the way they played Game Two was very different than the way they played Game One, and it wasn't even necessarily the physicality. Like it was just sort of how sharp and how crisp execution was. And in it, you know, you could look at it as three pointers. Like obviously, a lot of NBA games nowadays are decided on it's a make or miss league, Doug. You know that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's also whether or not you could take the take care of the ball, right? Because the mm-hmm. Raptors. Um, 
you know, in game one, they gave up a lot of transition points to the Magic, and, and that, that hurt them. And in game two, the Magic couldn't execute well. They had a bunch of turnovers, which is very uncharacteristic for that team. I think they will sharpen that up. They had 17 turnovers, and the Raptors just basically ran it down every single time for a layup. And so, um, you know, the, it, it really does come down to execution and sort of, you know, which team feels pressure and which team you can just sort of keep their cool. Um Play yeah, so oh, one thing I want to touch on before we get to that is so in the story that I wrote previewing the game, if you know the Magic do come out with a ton of intensity and they are you know a, able to you know punch the Raptors in the mouth early and it comes down to a close game late, what I am interested to see is you know I was looking at the crunch time numbers of the Raptors home and away, mm. and at home, um, you know in the final four minutes of games within three points. The Raptors had 12 steals to 11 turnovers, but away from home, it goes to five steals to 16 turnovers. Um, and they shoot extremely inefficiently, under 40%. Uh, you know, they're about 25% from three. Uh, the pace of the game really slows down for them on the road as well. So that's something where uh, you know I think there's an opportunity to maybe learn something about the Raptors if it does come down to a close game. Um, and hopefully you see that at least you know once, whether it be game three or game four, um, where the Raptors are tested in that way and, and how they execute. And um, again, we've we've seen all season that the transition part of the game for the Raptors is a huge aspect of their success. And so when teams are able to take that away, um, I think I think it, it at least helps keep things competitive. Yep, for sure. Um, let's talk about playoff Kawhi. Yep. That dude is... I just want more, um, man. I just want more. It's incredible, man, the things he's able to do um, just at will so easily. And again, you, you know, I, I was watching a Jalen Rose video and he was just talking about how there there's really just no wasted movements yep. in a- anything and everything he does. You know, even <laughs> even someone like a Steph Curry likes to have a bit of fun, you know, crossover a, little, a, a few extra times before pulling up. Kawhi, there is absolutely no waste in movement. Everything is about efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. Um, and, yeah, it, that was a show in game two. Um, and you, you, can, you can see when, when, when he's at that gear, unless you have another superstar going up against him, there's really nothing you can do. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the Magic, I mean, here's the thing. I feel bad almost for Aaron Gordon because he is a really good defender, and I've been really impressed with him throughout the series. With mm-hmm. Just what he's able to do, like his three-point shooting's been there. He's been creating off the dribble a little bit. His three-point sh- – I mean, like, just – you know, he's a good player, and uh, I, he's living up to the billing of a former – what, it was a fourth pick or something? Um, right. Yeah, fourth pick in 2014. But, I mean, yeah, he, he's playing great defense against Kawhi. It's just kind of like – a Kawhi's just getting to his spots, and it's just once he once he gets to those certain spots on the floor, he's almost always guaranteed to score. And also, B like you know, circling back to Vucevic, like defensively, he's been super disappointing. And you know, the Raptors have sort of made a point of this. Um, you know, one thing I, I noticed going over the tape of Game Two was just how high the Raptors were putting uh, Marcus All in terms of setting screens, and they would make a concerted effort of this where they would get to the middle of the floor, make sure the spacing was good, have Gasol set a screen almost at half court, basically, and have Kawhi just rush downhill and and, and quickly enough so that, you know, there's no chance for Goran to fight over the screen or even go under the screen, really, because Gasol is really just that wide. And so he's always chasing from behind, and so, you know, Vucevic has to step up in that situation. And, like, Gasol, 
Like, he's a good three-point shooter, right? So you can't leave him completely open. Uh, yeah. But also at the same time, like, Vucevic just can't do anything with Kawhi. There's that one clip where, uh, you know, coming off this exact play I'm describing, high pick and roll near half court, Kawhi rushes down, uh, you know, and then he crosses over to his left. He usually likes to go to his right, but he crosses over to his left, sheds Vucevic, and he just dunks the ball. And then he, he goes to the bench, he sits down, and you can see him literally mouthing the words, it's too easy. <laughs> and against Vucevic, it is a little bit too easy. And I feel like, you know, this is something you mentioned, like, uh, you know, just even before the series. If you can turn the opposing team's best player into a liability, then that has to be, uh, you know, it has to rock the confidence of the other team. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we've seen we've seen it in Toronto, right? Like, the, the, the playoff games where uh, Kyle Lowry has struggled shooting the ball or DeMar DeRozan hasn't even been, you know, has, has basically become unplayable. Um you know, that's when it, the Raptors really look like they have nothing to go to because you look at the role players, they don't really know. They haven't had the opportunity um, to sort of be in situations where they're expected to do much. I think that's part of why you look at teams, a team like a San Antonio and why they're still able to be so effective in the playoffs is because during the regular season, Pop actually does a great job of putting them in positions and saying, hey, you know, in the playoffs there are going to be nights like this where we need you and so again you you look at that Orlando roster you know once you take away Vucevic you're asking Fournier to do more you're asking DJ Augustine to do more and sure you know you you might uh catch lightning in a bottle like like they did with Augustine in game one um Fournier hasn't been able to find a groove and uh you know Aaron Gordon I think is doing as much as he can considering the fact that uh, you know he he's got to really bring it on both ends. So again, it's just the the talent discrepancy between the two teams is so evident. Uh, and again, as long as the intensity is there, it will be too easy for the Raptors. Yeah, for sure. Which quick aside, now that you mentioned the Spurs, I'm really happy for Demar. Man, he's had a couple of really good games here. Yeah, yeah I mean that, that third quarter was incredible. Yeah, when, when he dropped 19. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's always funny with the mark because you look at the plus minus and that stuff afterwards. Like you got guys like Derek White, who what a what a player he is, but uh, yeah. he, he's he's plus thirty with thirty six points. Lamarcus Aldridge plus twenty seven with eighteen points, and then Demar, who had a great game, twenty five points on nine of eighteen shooting, plus six. It's just yeah. it's always so weird with his plus minus. But no, I'm, I'm really happy to see Demar thriving, man. Because again, like he had he has a playoff reputation, and I feel like you know this year in the playoffs, I, from the little bits of Spurs that I've watched, like he's not. He's not stressing. He's not pressing. He's just he's playing his game. I think it helps to play against the Nuggets. They don't really have a guy on the perimeter where you're like, okay, you know, that's a lockdown wing who can use its length to bother Demar and stuff. But Demar's played great. The Spurs are the seventh seed. They're up two one in the series. They really should be up three nothing. Yep, they should and, be. Uh, and, and yeah, so you know, happy for Demar to, to conquer some playoff demons for sure. And and I mean, just looking ahead for them, if if they get. Uh, what looks like right now the Blazers in the second round mm. you're potentially looking at them going to the Western Conference Finals which will be nuts and this is why early in the season I wrote about how this is the greatest coaching job of Craig Popovich's career because you're mm-hmm. looking at the roster he's working with like yeah, you got like DeMar and LaMarcus but we all know those are like B-minus type of like stars in terms of like elite players right. and then the rest of that team is just like random cobbled together pieces that like you know pop turn into a great bench um you know Derek white seems to be the next great spurs sort of fine in the development system there's a great piece out on espn by baxter holmes about that so yeah. back, and so 
yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, just the the West is looking looking funny because look, man, if the, honestly, if the Warriors somehow screw this all up and they don't come out of the West, then like, I don't know. If it's not the Warriors <laughs> out West, the champions coming out of the East. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, th- I think that's that, that's a pretty fair statement. Um, but yeah, again, <laughs> I think we saw <laughs> the Warriors level last night and. Uh, what they can do when they're going at full throttle so mm. um it's going to take something pretty special to beat them do you think uh there will be as many pieces about how the clippers showed exactly why they're such an attractive destination with that 31 point comeback uh you think there's any follow-up pieces about the, the clippers <laughs> showing exactly why they're not a destination with that loss no okay well the, the one side of coverage of the clippers this year has been real uh real real real, real interesting but uh, i'll leave it at that yeah um all right, quick prediction for game three. Uh, I will say the Raptors win a close game. I think they actually do get punched in the mouth early, um, but then they work their way back, and then talent just wins out. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you. I think um, they get punched in the mouth in the sense that the Magic bench probably outscores the Raptors bench by like 15 points a night, something like that. <laughs> it's it's one of those games, and we've seen many editions of this game uh, this season with the Raptors, where the starters are really good, but the bench is trash. And right. uh, and and yes, yeah, so when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 2-1 we'll in see. a series. That'd be great if the Raptors lose. Uh, I can't wait to be stressed out, but um, but uh, but hopefully they don't do that to us. So um, so for Vivek and myself, um, thanks for listening to Raptors of Everything. We'll be back after the game to deliver post-game analysis. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.